There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. Todd and Jerry, the night before the NFL draft. Lots to get to, lots of predictions to make. A little bit of news to go over, starting with John Lynch had his NFL-mandated press conference a couple days ago, so we're going to dive into that, because even though he didn't say a lot, he inferred a lot, I guess you can say. Um, So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the continuing Debo news. We talked about the deadline for a move being tomorrow. Nothing's happened, but there's still about 24 hours. And finally, we're going to get into our thoughts on what the draft position needs are, the draft player needs are for the Niners, and just kind of go in in depth on the draft. But before that, let's talk about John Lynch and only John Lynch this year sitting before the media and giving his pre-draft press conference. Jerry, I know you, you listened. Your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, Lynch didn't say much. And I know these pre-draft press conferences are a mandatory thing by the NFL, but come on, have they not seen what the gas prices are these days? I mean, you're going to make everyone drive down to your facility. Would have been nice to get a little bit more clarity on just what the heck's going on with Debo Samuel, because obviously that's what everyone was there for. But I know it's a delicate situation, so I don't begrudge Lynch for not wanting to say anything. Um, cause in my opinion, I, I think they clearly misread Debo's expectations, just like they misread Jimmy G's trade value. So they sort of bungled both negotiations as far as I'm concerned, but I do feel that Lynch actually said a lot by not saying much regarding Debo. I mean, you could see it in his body language and his tone, just how sad and uncomfortable the whole situation was for for Lynch. And by saying that he quote unquote can't envision wanting to trade Debo, which of course he doesn't want to trade Debo, but he didn't come right out and say that he absolutely will not trade Debo. Cause we know the Arizona Cardinals have been dealing with their own drama with Kyler Murray yet their GM, Steve Kime said that there was zero chance of them trading Kyler. So given that Lynch didn't come out strong and, you know, and just say, we are not trading Debo under any circumstance. I have to believe that there's a very strong possibility that Debo's played his last game as a Niner and that he will be traded to the Jets before the first day of the draft. Well, interesting before the first day. So you laid it out there. What, what, what's it going to take? What's that deal going to be in your mind? Well, I mean, at this point, Debo's a star player, right? And just about, I mean, everyone in the league is trying to find the next Debo. Like that's been the narrative. So the asking price needs to be high because guess what? You know, it's, you know, a fair trade if both sides feel gut punched, right? The Niners will be like, holy crap, we're going to part ways with the heart and soul of our team while the jets will be like oh crap we gave up the farm for this guy man he better be worth it and i know you know people like to say well this is what 
was traded for Tyreek Hill. So this is basically what you guys are going to get, you know, but after the, you know, market went bonkers, in my opinion, the, the chiefs just simply couldn't afford to pay Ty- uh, Tyreek, um, you know, cause they already have to, had to pay Mahomes, Kelsey and others. So they sort of had to trade Tyreek Hill. Um, but when it comes to star players in general, when they're traded, especially in recent years, the cost of doing business usually starts with at least two first rounders. That was the case for Khalil Mack. That was the case for Jalen Ramsey. And that was the case for even Jamal Adams. So while I don't think the Niners are going to get two first for Debo, I certainly think a package that includes at least the Jets first and second round picks is more than reasonable. Like it just, it starts there, right? Especially considering how the Jets have no star players to speak of. They can't get star player free agents to sign because they've been a losing outfit that hasn't been in the playoffs for like 11 years. And Joe Douglas has come out and said he's all in on Debo. So if that's the case, dude, act like it. When Mike Dicka was all in, he gave up his entire draft for Ricky Williams. And John Lynch isn't just going to give Debo away. We all know that. We all saw how he reacted. It was, it was almost like he was losing a son. That's how I felt. Like I felt like he was regretting not taking one of those broadcast, those high-paying broadcasting jobs as you've seen. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening right now. So, Joe Douglas, pay the freight. Go get your star. And let's all move on. So you're saying 10 and 35, 10 and 38? To start, and then maybe something, you know, a kicker, whether it's a third this year or maybe a third next year. And how do you think you think everyone would feel gut-punched? How do you think the Niner fans would react to that haul? Depends on what their perception is of Debo Samuel. Those who don't want him traded and feel like he's the heart and soul of the team. And what are the, what, what are the heck they do? Why don't just pay the man? They're going to hate it. They're going to absolutely hate it because there is no replacing a guy like Debo Samuel. I mean, cause he's right. He is one of one, which is one of the main reasons why things have deteriorated, deteriorated in terms of the relationship between Debo and the team to the point that it has, because, because he's one of one, he sees himself as greater than the, than his contemporaries. Whereas the Niners look at it probably more as them needing to cover their bases just in case his style of play, you know, ends up getting uh, Debo into trouble from a injury perspective. Right. So, yeah. So I think fans who want nothing to do with the trade, they will hate it Um, because no matter who they draft, they won't be happy because again, at the end of the day, at this point, it's all still just everybody's a lottery ticket. It's all a crapshoot, right? We don't know. We won't know until a few years down the line whether or not this trade will have worked out. Um, but for the fans who apparently are giving Debo all this grief on social media, which apparently, if you listen to Richard Sherman, that could be also one of the reasons why Debo's so, you know, upset and wants out, which again, just another one of these cockamamie theories that I'm not buying, but if that's the case, yeah, I mean, those, those guys, Hey, they think Debo's a, a crying whiny diva receiver. I'm sure they'll be fine with it. So I think it just depends on what your perspective is of the current situation. 
I am on the fence, I guess, because I could see the Niners doing that trade tomorrow if the Jets put 10 and one of their seconds and, you know, another pick in there. I could, I could see the Niners doing that because that's essentially what it would take. Um, that That would be a, you know – an offer they couldn't refuse, a monster, you know, offer as, as kind of the rumors have been going on. The Niners are asking for huge numbers because to put it into perspective, all of the all of the picks that Tyreek was was traded for, all of those add up on the traditional trade chart to pick number 13 in the first round. So if you're saying you're getting number 10 and an early second and another pick. That is a king's ransom for for Debo. That said, I just don't. I don't think they're going to trade him. It's uh, it's not in their nature to bow down. I guess to a player who I don't know throws a hissy fit in April about not getting paid type of thing. Um, plus, they do have so much control over him. And I find it hard to believe that he would be willing to sit out and lose money. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's definitely one of the top storylines going into the draft, considering there is no hot shot quarterback at the top, considering things at the top are kind of jumbled, but not in a really exciting way. It's not like there's multiple quarterbacks and big time uh players that has everyone's juices flowing it's it's edge rushers who even by all accounts are kind of they're not at the miles garrett bosa brother level they're a step below you know you're talking you're not talking about you know your jonathan ogden your russell okun you're talking about offensive tackles maybe a step below so the debo samuel uh storyline for the draft will definitely be hot and heavy through those first 10 picks because once you get past 10, I just don't think I don't think there's a way to be able to trade him unless maybe 13. I guess 13 is 13 is kind of the floor that you'd be willing to take because you need you need those picks this year. And you're not giving up Debo for you know later round picks and and picks in the following year. You you want those picks this year. So for a team that doesn't have a first-round draft pick, 49er fans should be and probably will be glued to their TV sets through those first 13 picks to see if they're uh, see if their their team all of a sudden we have a trade. 49ers are on the clock. Um, so you don't think the Niners are going to trade him? No. Um, and because that's not their nature. So first of all. I think they're going to trade him because from what I've seen just in general across the NFL landscape, players who want to be traded get traded ultimate. And if you're going to trade Debo, which is why I think Lynch looked like someone died in the family during that press conference, this dude, sell high. It doesn't get any higher than right now. Yeah. And if you're saying, the Niners don't won't do it because that's their nature. Well, I think their nature, you know, their way of doing business is what got them into this trouble with Debo 
to begin with. Now, look, I, I know Debo hates when people misrepresents what's happened. And of course, he could come on Three Side Sports Talk and let everyone know what's up if he wants everyone to stop speculating. But short of that, I'm going to have to give my take on it. And this is what I think happened, right? So given how tight he was with Lynch and Shanahan, I think Debo assumed the Niners just going to take care of him in short order and not have negotiations dragged out like they did with Kittle and Warner in years prior, because when the wide receiver market exploded, I think Debo expected the Niners to forego their nature or their business as usual approach, you know, considering the contracts of Kittle and Warner ultimately set the market anyway, right at their position. So why prolong the inevitable? But when the Niners first discussed terms with Debo, not only was the number not market setting, but it was so much lower than what Debo had expected that Debo felt absolutely, I mean, we're talking gut punched in terms of if you're going to trade him, he felt gut punched in a, in a, in a way that he just felt completely betrayed because here he was, right? The toast of the town where everyone's wondering, where do we find the next Debo? And the Niners are lowballing him? I mean, he must have been like, I carried the fucking offense. I put this team on my back and did everything in my power, dragged this team into the playoffs. And let's not forget, I was having a record-setting season as a wide receiver, remember? But because Moster of Moster's injury and because Elijah Mitchell kept getting hurt, I had to play running back because the offense was stagnant. So. Uh, just, hey, give me the ball. Let me run the ball. Let me kick, return kicks because I'm the one who can get the tough yards when the team, team needs them. Remember how I was limping off the field after those runs, but did I miss any of those big moments, those big, big time snaps? No, I showed up and this, this is what I'm worth to you, right? I mean, the team needed me to play running back and now you're using that against me? In contract negotiations, wait, wait, what'd you say? I'm not Devontae Adams. I'm not Tyreek Hill. Well, you're damn right, because I'm more. They're just wide receivers. I'm a wide receiver plus. And right then and there, I think Debo was so taken aback by the Niners' lack of respect for the sacrifice that he made this season that he lost complete trust in the entire organization. So to me, this was never about disliking Cali. I mean, shoot, he was just partying in LA over the weekend. And if this and this was never about not wanting to be a wide back, because the dude's still hawking wide back merchandise on his store. And this was never about having reservations about Trey Lance, because we've already heard from guys like Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner. He preys on on the young quarterback. And most recently, George Kittle compared Trey to being like in the Josh Allen mold. So I think this was all about what Rod Tidwell sought in the movie Jerry Maguire, the Quan, where the love, respect, and the dollar was a part of the entire package. Debo wanted the Quan, and the Niners, despite how close they supposedly were to Debo, did not read the room, did not read the tea leaves, and just completely foobarred their relationship. I can buy that to a certain extent until I have Bob sugar in my ear saying it's not show time. It's show business. 
um, type right. of thing. And, and that's why I always say it's about the money. But the money and, and the respect but, were intertwined. But but that's the thing is, Debo, you're right. You're not Tyreek Hill. You're not Devontae Adams. You haven't been to multiple Pro Bowls. You haven't been had such a lengthy uh, uh, you haven't had enough years under your belt where you have routinely led the league, you know, or been top five in catches, yards, touch it. Like those are, you can't argue, you can argue with his versatility. I get that. That's fine. But if you are so petulant that the first negotiation and what do you go ahead? What do you think the insulting number was that they threw out there? Like, my guess is they threw out the ball in the ballpark of Christian Kirk. Okay. Right. But, but I mean, that's why the contract is the conundrum because but, Debo. But my, okay. So that's my thing is the Niners started negotiations at, we're going to make you the 12th highest paid receiver on average and probably top 10 in guaranteed money. That's where they've started. And that's before your agent has even come with, no, we want to be number one. Like the fact that it took, I was insulted and disrespected and didn't get the love I thought I was deserving right off the bat is such a diva move for a guy who was all smiles, was all, oh, it's love. And I love being a wide back and whatever it takes for the team. I, I get that. But this, these aren't negotiations that have dragged on and we're, we're knocking on the door of training camp, right? I mean, the Niners, again, we talked about it. When did Warner get paid? August. When did Kittle get paid? August. You know, what? if Debo is – then you start going, Debo, why do you think you're better than the team? Why do you think you're more valuable than George Kittle? or Fred Warner, or Trent Williams. Like, you start going through this and go like, we have, you haven't, we haven't dragged it beyond the point where, hey, you gave it to Fred and George, you know, now, why do I have to wait? Like, you haven't even got to that point. So if you're offering, if their first offer was 19 million, well, that's a, that's, that seems like a reasonable opening negotiation. You know, because they you're, they weren't coming in with, here's 28. Oh, thank you, guys. You know, I feel the love. It's a business. And this is why I think it goes back to his agent and his agent giving him poor advice or not preparing him for what this was going to entail. So I hear all that thing. And I, and I agree with you that his main main issue was, they didn't bow down and give him the love right off the bat. I, t- I totally believe that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, at what point are you going to have somebody on your, you know, inner circle say, Debo, if it's all about the money, okay, there's nothing we can do. But you're going, you're, you're willing to go to, a really bad team, you know, and you, you think you're, you think your longevity is being eaten up by Kyle Shanahan giving you the rock. 
What's going to happen when you go to the Jets and you're getting crushed and you're getting double teamed and you're not getting the yards and you're losing? Like, at some point, and it's all relative, does 24 mean the same as 25 to him? I don't know. Is it just a status thing? Like, hey, Tyreek's making, on average, 30. I want 30 and a dollar. Just, I mean – Is it get to that? I mean, at some point he needs somebody in his circle to shake him and say, Hey, look at the situation, not from a personal, you know, your feelings, but who do you want to play for? How do you want to play? What do you want to be remembered for? And if it's just the dollar amount, then, then, then he'll hold out or he'll be traded. He'll go to some team. He'll get his 30 million and he'll never be heard from again. Because when you're paying that much, it's going to take away. I mean, you're a bad Jets team and you're giving your wide receiver $30 million. I think protecting Zach Wilson and trying to get to the quarterback would be a better investment for them. But, I mean, that's, that, that's my thing. That's just my thought on, on, on what I – again, you're right. Debo has not clarified. He has every opportunity – on social media to go out there. He has every opportunity. He could call up any reporter in the NFL and say, Hey, let me tell you why I'm so upset. Why I feel so disrespectful. Why I've demanded a trick. He has every opportunity to do that. And he hasn't, and he isn't doing it. All he's doing is staying silent and sending cryptic messages and leaving it there. So to me, that is, that's not what, a professional should do, you know, but I don't think these professionals should be on social media anyway, you know? So, so yeah, so there's a lot there. I mean, first of all, I don't think he will hold out because if he holds out, he's not going to get money and he's not going to get credit for this last year. So he's going to do what these players are going to do nowadays, which is hold in, which also is not what the Niners would want because a, it causes, it causes a distraction and B again, they've got this young, essentially rookie quarterback, who they, who this whole offseason should have been about, how are we going to support this young fella? Yep. Right. And not only did they, am I concerned about the O line now, you know, with all the, def, you know, defections of, you know, Lincoln Thomason and perhaps Alex Mack, who we talk later on, but, you know, now he's could potentially be losing, you know, the mo- his most explosive weapon as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that is a scenario that the Niners would want for him to, basically hold in. Um, but I agree with you. Like a lot of the issue I think is caused by his representation, right? Because I think we talked about this offline, but his agent, Tori Dandy, who I've never heard of prior to this, um, represents not only Debo, but AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, right? So all of those guys' contracts are coming up. But you know how normally how it works, right? Once one guy signs, kind of like how when Kittle signed, Well, then Kelsey signed like the next day to get a little bit more, right? So he could say, hey, I'm the highest paid tight end. When Warner signed the next day, uh, Darius Leonard signed. So then he can say, hey, I, you know. Um, Yeah. So, and I think the same thing, Trent Williams, when he signed, he got a little bit more than uh, David Bakhtiari. So so this whole game of ego, like, look at me, who's the top dog in terms of dollar amount? Apparently it is important to these guys. So I think because- this one agent represents all three. My guess is they're devising some sort of package deal where all three are going to set the market at the same time. I don't know how they're going to get that done, but I almost feel like that is 
the plan and that is the goal. And if the Niners aren't going to play ball in terms of whatever numbers they're throwing out, if the numbers are, if the Niners were like, as soon as he was like, wait, no, no, you talk, are you really seriously? Christian Kirk went, no, I was thinking more, you know, more than Tyreek Hill money and maybe Parag like spit, spit out his glass of water. Like Ted Lasso was drinking some bubbly water. Right, just all over the place, and Debo was just so offended. But I mean, that's the thing. I think, I think they, you know, maybe you said, oh, okay, so the Niners always start low, and then they build up. Well, is it possible that the Niners may have just balked at whatever number? Like, we will never get there. Like, like we will never get to that number. I know you want that number, but let me break it down to you because of your statistics or whatever it is. Like, we will never get there. And again, it's. Maybe like, hey, look, you're going to get there eventually. Why prolong this? Why drag this out? Right? And again, I understand. I understand. That's how negotiations work. I'm just saying, his, from his perspective, it's like, well, you got there every single time with all these guys. Right? We know the market. Let's go. Right? Because we know Debo wants to accelerate this process and get paid. Get paid as much as he can before he falls apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at the same time, the Niners want to keep the contract as modest as they can in case he does fall apart because longevity is just not feasible given how Debo plays. And even on a lesser scale, we saw the toll it took on a, on a similar type player, like like Percy Harvin, right? That dude was never the same after his third year in the league. So if the Niners want to keep Debo at this point, in my opinion, they've got no choice, unfortunately, but to back up that Brinks truck, pay him what he wants, just to make amends and reconcile this relationship. Otherwise, they got to trade him, which is why, again, why I think that's ultimately where it's headed. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they got to, but see, that's the thing. They don't have to trade him. I mean, you're talking about trading him for, like, morale standpoint, he's going to hold in, he might be a malcontent, blah, blah, blah. You know, but the Niners can just tell him, Debo, either come to the table and we'll negotiate a contract, or we won't, and you get pay, you'll get paid your whatever. What's he getting paid? Five or six million dollars this year. You'll get paid your six million dollars, and then guess what? Next year we're gonna slap the franchise tag on you, and you get no guaranteed long term money. And guess what? The year after that we can slap it on you again. So so the point is is at some point Debo and his representation have to look at it and go, can we if they're offering. 60 65 million dollars guaranteed like forget the the average per year because that all can be balloon payment at the end and and whatnot but how much guaranteed money are you getting you're getting 65 that's the third most ever by a wide receiver like and again you're assuming let's put 65 million dollars into your pocket right now guaranteed and that doesn't and if you continue to play you're gonna get more and more this is your second contract and what why are Devontae and Tyreek in the stratosphere because it's their third contract so again this is why I'm saying Debo and his reputation representation have to look at and go is it better to play hardball and chicken and do the hold in and do this and not get paid or get paid on my rookie deal or is it better to at least come to the table, try and figure something out, and put $65 million in your pocket and go, okay, I didn't get number one money, but I got number three money 
and my kids and my kids' kids never have to worry again. Like that, that is the thing that someone has to point to him and say, you don't get to go pick where you want to go. Even if you, you know, decide to fake an injury all year, it's not going to happen. And, but this is with the assumption that the Niners are willing to even go that high, right? Like you're, you're assuming that the Niners are like, we don't really understand what the deal is because we're willing to go to this level in terms of guaranteed dollars. Because I just know, I don't, I don't think the relationship could suddenly sour to this point if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like, but something- it, could, it, it could if he just if he just took it so personal right off the bat, because this isn't John and Kyle coming in with the this is Parag. This is the money guy. This is, you know, this is the guy who's trying to screw you for the lack of a better term in terms of the con. He's trying to do what's best for the organization. And so if Debo takes that personal right off the bat, again, that's why it turned so quickly. And he he wanted a trade so quickly that that's why I'm thinking he took it so personal. And he's just, he told Zay, forget it. I'm out of here. These guys weren't going to back up the, and he didn't get good advice to say, well, this is how things work. Like, this is how they start. You know, you, your first contract was slotted. There was nothing to do. There was nothing to negotiate. Now they come in low. We go high. You ask for more guaranteed. They, they tack on another year. You want to be paid the second day after the season's over. That's what it is. But that's why I'm that's the only, that's why I'm saying I agree with you. It doesn't seem that it's the California thing. It doesn't seem like it's the fans thing because the fans were all on Debo's side until he said, I want to trade. Like it's not like he had this bad rapport with him. So that why? Because he got offended by the offer and is and just went, I'm done. I'm out. It, it's and it's too bad because if that if that's how he thinks this is gonna be, sure, someone's gonna back up the Brings truck. That might not be the best organization monetarily, and it's going to show because all of a sudden you're going to be on a team that can't sign free agents, that can't sign because they don't have a long-term strategy. But that said, that wasn't the only thing that John Lynch talked about. He did talk about Alex Mack a little bit. Um, And when I say a little bit, it was more – We've been in contact and he will announce his decision when he's ready, which to me indicated he's retired. He's retired. And the only thing holding this up is we don't want it 100% obvious that we don't have a center on the team and we're going to have to go because someone brought up the fact that last year, the Niners were very interested in that offensive tackle from Notre Dame and as he was sliding, Miami jumped up in front of them, drafted him, and that's when the Niners traded back, drafted Aaron Banks. So they don't want that obvious hit, you know, obvious position need. So, I mean, I would anticipate Alex Mack, you know, announcing whoever it is come, come Monday or Tuesday that, you know, it's been a great career and he enjoyed it, but he's hanging up the spikes. So – that's what I got from John Lynch. Anything, anything different or you think yeah, I, mean, I, I, I told you weeks ago that all signs were pointing towards Alex Mack retiring, which is why I've been so worried about the offensive line. I mean, you can, cause you can hope that 
Aaron Banks and whoever else they decide to put at center will be as good as the, you know, Lincoln Tomlinson and Alex Mack, but you know, I'd be, I think that's unlikely. And, uh, you know, I was, I was actually insulted by John Lynch actually during the press conference when he tried to play down the importance of the center position in their offense. I'm like, what, if that's the case, then why'd you fork over all those free agent dollars to sign Western Richburg a few years back? And why didn't, you just right. run run with Daniel Brunskill at center instead of signing Alex Mack this past year. I mean, can I you know, can I give can I give you a theory? Go ahead. That the offense won't be as complicated this year because Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback. Yeah, but the center is still the guy who makes all the calls and sets the right, you know, but sets if, the blocking assignments. Yes, but but if it's simplified and it doesn't require that the offense isn't required to make as many calls, which I'm not saying this is the way this is something I heard because, okay, it makes sense. You're, you're, you're going to start with what Trey does best, his, his pool of plays. And then, and before you open up the entire, you know, entire playbook, right? So is it possible that, yeah, we don't need an Alex Mack this year. We can get by with a rookie because, just for simple numbers, we don't have 50 plays this year. We're going with 25, you know, type of thing. So a rookie can get 25 plays, but 50 might be a lot. So, yeah, before when we needed the Weston Richburg and, and Alex Mack because we were going all-in complicated offense. No, don't buy it. Well, I mean, I guess I've never thought about the center making their calls uh, and adjustments based on their plays as much as having the experience and the wherewithal to read the defense, much like a quarterback would read the defense and set the alignments there. Like, you know, I didn't think that, oh, since our playbook's only two pages now, center doesn't need to call anything. Like, I, you know, I that never dawned on me, and I still don't buy that. Um and I guess, like I said, I'm just worried about their own line because aside from Trent Williams, everyone else is a big question mark. And now their star wide receiver, or sorry, wide back is out the door. And yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just hoping everything ends, turns out okay. But right now I, I, my IBS is acting up. I'm sitting sort of uneasy until we see how everything pans out. Let me throw a couple other things that, at you that I took from the press conference. You touched on one earlier. And that was not only was John Lynch just so uncomfortable and seemingly as bothered as he's ever been uh, talking to the press. It did dawn on me that, you know what? He didn't have to be in this position. He could have taken Jeff Bezos $15 million a year and gone to Thursday night football. And maybe at some point during the press conference, he wished he had, but the fact that he didn't, Basically, he knows that th- this is what get his juices going. He needs that competition of roster. Con- I can't play anymore, but I can construct a roster. I can work on free agents. I can work on the draft. I can put together a team with Kyle. Come Sunday, we're gonna. there's going to be a score, and we either win or lose. And that's just something he would not get from being a broadcaster. So – at some, I mean, he, because it's been reported and he confirmed that there was an offer on the table for him to jump and he opted to stay at the Niners for at, at least 50% left, less if not more, just 
again, reaffirms my belief that Lynch is such a grinder. He might, he's not the GM in the traditional sense that he grew up through the scouting ranks, but he is the guy that, you know, Colonel Nathan Jeff, you want him on that wall. You need <laughs> him on that wall because you need a guy like that who knows what it's like to be in the locker room, what it takes. So I just took that from him. And the other thing, last year, Kyle crashed the the media session. He he went out with John Lynch, which was a surprise to everybody. And even people said, oh, why was Kyle there? He didn't need to be there. And I think Kyle was out there partly to, you know, give the middle finger to all the media who said, you know, Mac Jones isn't any good. If you take him at three, that's such a wasted pick. You don't know what you're doing. And it was his way of going, oh, we could go anyway. I think this Debo situation is upsetting him so, so much that he knew he could not go out in front of the media because he was liable to pop off with a, all I did was make this guy into one of the greatest offensive weapons the NFL has ever you know, seen. We told him we'd take care of him. And this is how he treats the team by the first you know, business hurdle he's got to get over. He's out the door. I think Kyle might have lost it emotionally because I think this is just taking a toll on him. Well, and at last year's press conference, uh, you know, he made that dark comment about how he couldn't guarantee that any of us will be alive. So Steve Risser, if you're listening, maybe you can go check on Kyle to make sure he's okay. Because we at Three Side Sports Talk were a little bit worried you know, mental health, big <laughs> issue these days. And yeah, I'm sure this Debo things definitely got his dauber down. Um, and there actually was a piece of football news that came out and that was the Niners picked up Nick Bosa's fifth year option. Not that there was any, any question, but you know, they did it so nonchalantly that they guaranteed 18 million uh, for him the following year that, you know, let his contract negotiations, you know, extensions begin so uh, that's what i took out of the whole press conference i don't know if you dug any deeper or found any other nuggets no but like you said i'm guessing they're in the process of talking extension with bosa so hopefully they don't mess it up like they've done with debo (laughs) let's cross our fingers no news is good news yeah and and again i think part of this is personality he has an older brother who's gone through this. He has a dad who's been a perfect, like he understands what it's like. He, he understands that this is the nature of the game. And honestly, he's got to feel good that, you know what, they're, they're going to break me off a hundred million dollars here pretty soon. And yeah, I'd love to, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know, I have, don't have the numbers up. I don't know who the highest paid defensive end is right now, but I, I would imagine Nick, doesn't care if he's number one as long as he's got a dollar more than his brother. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, that, the way the way that family is in terms of competition, it's that's what I would imagine. You know, the Bosa's are 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 battling. You know, type of thing right now. So, so you think in their household during Thanksgiving, Nick holds it over Joey that he got picked second? Um, Joey, yeah, he got I, picked third. Yeah, you know, so and I think, you know, currently Joey's got to buy all the dinners because Nick's on his rookie deal. So, you know, once Nick gets the extra dollar, Joey will be eating free for a while. So, 
Yeah. Um, let's turn our attention to the draft because it's tomorrow. So I want to hear who you think the Niners are going to get. And um, I also jotted down who some of the beat writers and some of the national guys have in their mock drafts. And I want you to let me know if you like any of these guys. Are they way off? But before that, what positions are they looking at? What positions do, do you think they need to come out of this draft with? Well, I mean, as I said before, the Niners have a lot of needs. Um, and unless they trade Debo for some additional early picks, I don't think they'll be able to address all of them. Um, I, you know, they obviously are going to have a need at center because we're expecting Alex Mack to retire. And I don't think shifting Daniel Brunskill over to center is a great idea. He wasn't all that good in 2020 at center, I don't believe. Um, I honestly don't know a lot about Jake Brendel, or is it Brendel or Brendel? Brendel. Anyway, um, so there's center um, with the departure or the fact that Jaquasi Tart has not been brought back. I don't really feel confident in either having – um, George Odom or Talanoa Hufunga be the starting strong safety. So safety. And, you know, with Jimmy Ward being on last year of his deal, all, again, safety. Um, edge rusher, we've talked about it, I think, a bunch that Nick Bosa could really use a counterpart the way that he had with D Ford. I think those are like the top three, but, you know, I mean, we can go down the list. I mean, you know how I feel about Mike McGlinchey long term. So tackle. Um, you know, if there is a guard. So pretty, much, so pretty much everything but quarterback you're looking to reach. <laughs> um, by and large, I mean, we're, we're good at linebacker for now. I mean, if there's one you love, again, the best, I think the best uh, approach is always best player available. I think I heard somewhere, somebody said like, oh, did you know that the Cowboys in their last, like, I think seven or eight first round picks or something like that all of them became pro bowlers. And the reason why is because they didn't really address need, which I don't really buy that. I mean, I didn't look into it because I think all these teams, I mean, part of the way they stack their boards has to be based on need, right? Cause some of these players are just, their scores can't, can't all be okay. Well, this one's a point above that, that guy, right? Like at some point, some level, some of these guys are just even. So how do you break the tie? Well, you got to look at your, your need. Cause if you are just death, you know, in dire need, of one position, dude, like the Bengals. I know they addressed a lot of their offensive line needs through free agency, but had they not, you know who they'd be drafting with pretty much every single one of their picks, probably at least the early ones in this draft, offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So. so, all right. So for the moment, let's assume Debo doesn't get traded. The Niners yeah. aren't sitting in the first round. Who is sitting there at 61 that you like? So yeah, for the first, for their first pick in the second round. Um, so there are a, a number of players I think they can go up with. I, I think I mentioned center Ed rusher and safety. So those are kind of the guys I was looking at. If, if they go center, I think it'd be Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. They go edge rusher, be like a guy like Nick Benito from Oklahoma. And if there's safety, I think they're going to be a handful of guys available. Um, there's another cam from Nebraska, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, or they can go Jalen Petrie of Baylor or Nick Cross of Maryland or Jaquan Brisker of Penn State. So 
of all those players, um, let me see. I can't remember who I had the rest of the way. Oh, gosh. Let me ask you this. How about let me ask you this. Among those who I, that I just mentioned, who do you like best? Well, uh, it's it's tough because I, I, did you did you mention Drake Jackson? I did not, and mainly because in some of these mocks that I've been seeing, Drake seems to have uh, gained some momentum and might be picked early on. But even if he's not, I just. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, he's a boomer bust guy. Like these, none of these guys are boomer bust. Right. But he just seems like a guy with a lot of talent, but why he, I mean, a lot of talent, right. A guy who with enough talent who could go in the first round type of talent, but there are just moments where if you watch the game tape, I don't know. It's like, I want to say that it, it appeared as though he allowed himself to be taken out of the play. But there are a number of those plays that sort of concern me. So if I were to go edge rusher, I was looking at Nick Benito because that guy's motor is always going mm-hmm. and he's a speed demon, right? Like he's got, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just thinking, all right, well, you know, either they're going to have to contend with that guy's speed. And he would be, he would be just a third down pass rush specialist, at least exactly. for now, right? Like I, I was he, not- wouldn't, he wouldn't be an every down guy, yep. but man, put him in on third down and just go, just go. Right, just yeah, go. That, that, You're gonna uh, run right by most left tackles. He was uh, of the guys you Four mentioned. He was the most left. intriguing. He was the most intriguing to me because I looked at him and I liked what I saw um, on his on his his reel on his in his highlight reel type of thing. Uh, but I really liked what I saw um, in the scouting report. All about high motor. All about effort. All about speed rush. The fact that it talked about situational pass rusher concerned me just a little bit from the standpoint of that's almost a specialty position that your your first pick you're taking the guy who's coming in on third down like i don't know can can we find something else is there a, and and maybe there's not maybe there's not because but of those guys you mentioned i like nick but i'll tell you this so number 1 i wouldn't not take Nick because he's a specialty guy, mainly because that's the one guy they don't have, mm-hmm. right? I mean, their defensive line room is full. <laughs> you know, it's really full. It's it's busting out at the seams. They signed all those guys. Mm-hmm. But a speed rusher is one they don't have. However, because it's busting out the seams, I could see them not going in that direction. And as much as I like Cam Jurgens, I think we could pick up a center later in the draft who I like. So I would just go with one of the safeties. I think that's, that's the direction I would go in with that with number 61 and not to be a fence sitter on this, but I like all those guys pretty much equally. Um, so you just asked, how can, how can the, how can the Cowboys just take all these guys? But because just like you, they got all these guys listed Ah, all these guys are the same. So if all, yeah, but the, all these guys are at the same position is what I'm saying. So I, I don't, you know, I guess if I took a look at like, this is how I would say who the Niners would pick without naming a name, the guy who is the fastest and the guy who is the most relentless. And I, and I don't think I've watched enough of every single one of these guys to say of those guys, this one guy is more than all the rest of the guys, because well, those are the guys that, you know, the Niners love. Right. Well, you're, you're, 
positional thoughts are right on, at least with the the national media and the beat writers. I don't know if you've seen Matt Barrows, uh, Niner beat writer for The Athletic, had gave the Niners Drake Jackson in the second round. Uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic gave them Josh Pascoe, the edge rusher out of Kentucky. Okay. Um, who I really like, really like, but I've also- but do you seen- like, but do you like him as an edge? Yeah. Because to me, I don't know. Like, he gives me tweener vibes. You know what I mean? Like, he's not great off the edge, and whether it be his speed or technique or whatever, right? Like, he can get, I don't know, whether, I, I just felt like I saw him too, again, far too often being sort of negated and- he actually did a lot of this damage when they did when they when uh, Kentucky, right? It's Kentucky. He plays for Kentucky. Yeah, when Kentucky, when they when they called a stunt, you know what I mean. And a guy like Nick Benito doesn't need that. A guy like Nick Benito is just like, you know, go sickle. <laughs> um, yes, I think the things, a couple of the things, I put it over the top. Um, are he's a uh, he's a character and culture guy, three time captain for uh, the Wildcats. First time ever there was a somebody as a three time captain. Um, big personality who loves football is all over his scouting report. So you start talking about a guy um, who comes in who does not need to be talked into liking football, who doesn't need to be talked into getting to the weight room at five a.m. and watching film. You never know what's you never know what's going to happen with these guys when they get drafted and they get money, but if you already have a foundation of this kind of character and culture and work ethic, it's a lot easier for me to believe that the transition is going to be smooth and seamless than it is a guy who, you know, not that he doesn't have it, but it's an unknown. So that, that's the kind of one of the only things. But I like I like Nick Benito. So and uh, and I'm I'm with you on the character and all that. But at you know, at some point, I just feel like we got we got other we got other fish to fry. We got other needs, and he didn't show me enough to warrant being chosen at that spot. Because you know who else had great character? Solomon Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there there's also a, I think a difference of being taken number three when there's guys who Bill Parcells called planet guys. Like there's only a couple guys on the planet who have the size, speed, measurables, and you get to take one if you're drafted two or three like they were that year. When you get down to 61, you've, you're, you're already into the, these guys got warts. Everyone's got something about them, which is why they're drafting 61 and not, you know, 16. So, um, but I've also, I've also seen, that he has a wide range. I've seen him go in the, in the mid to late second round all the way to the fourth round. So I think the, the thoughts on him are pretty varied. Um, though a couple other things, Todd McShay gave the Niners, Nick cross the safety out of Maryland. Not sure your thoughts on him. Matt Miller of ESPN gave, gave them uh, Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor. Uh, CBS sports gave, them Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. <laughs> so uh, you're starting pretty to much when the whole gamut that I mentioned outside of Cam yeah. Taylor Britt, everybody yeah. else. Yes. Uh, Zach uh, Petro from Sports Illustrated gave them Cam Jurgens, the center out of Nebraska. 
And then Chad Reuter from NFL.com gave them Tariq Woolen, the, co- the corner out of UT San Antonio, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I really like. So I think the idea that edge and defensive back with a uh, center kind of sprinkled in there is kind of right in the ballpark of what everyone's thinking the Niners are going to do, even though there, there clearly are needs. I mean, you do need, you need a, you need a, Find a tackle that if you're going to, you know, supplant McGlinchey after next year, you're going to need to find a guard if Aaron Banks isn't the second rounder that, you know, they're cracked up to be. You're going to need to find a wide receiver just because you don't have that many on the roster, even with Debo still, still there. And I know you're a big fan of, you know, getting rid of Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly. So there might be a, a tight end um, in there. I do have so. a tight end on my board. So, okay, well, you can either um, take me through your board or I can throw a couple questions at you uh, before that. Well, we can just do as we've been doing. Why don't we just go through each pick and have a little discussion versus me just going all the way through. Um, so our next pick or the Niners' next pick in the, would be in the third round at number 93. And they could go with your guy, Cole Strange, the guard from Chattanooga, who I actually do like now that I saw his tape from the season, I mean, he was definitely a better guard than what I saw at the Senior Bowl, unless I was watching the wrong guy, because it did seem like they tried him out at center or something, because I thought I saw him get pushed back a lot, yes. and, at least during those you know, one-on-one drills, and he got tooled by Logan Hall, defensive lineman of Houston, but he certainly dominated his competition as a guard throughout the season, and if the Niners they don't feel super confident about banks or um you know moving Jalen Moore to guard or Daniel Brunskill or whatnot then Strange could be a good pick you know at that spot because I think he could he would fit their system but other than Strange I could see them perhaps going running back James Cook of Georgia could be available and Cook is James Cook is the younger brother of Dalvin Cook of the Vikings Um, but James looks to be more of that third down back variety, um, shiftier, faster, great hands. Um, but the guy I like at this spot, um, is a cornerback out of Houston, Marcus Jones. He's small, only five, eight, but I think he can be a really good nickel because he's really physical. He's feisty. He's fast. I mean, he he literally plays cornerback the way Debo plays wideback. Just no regard for his body, flying all over the place, making plays, even against guys obviously taller than them because most receivers are. Um, just, yeah, zero regard for his body, super fast, and which would also, which also makes him a great kick returner right off the bat because he returned kicks and was very prolific at doing so at Houston. Um, I looked at Marcus uh, Jones in, in that kind of arena uh, with that that pick, and the thing that you liked about him is the thing that kind of scared me scared me off, and that was his size for one, and the fact that yes, he throws his body around. He, I mean, that, he will identify screens and blow them up. He will come up and run support all. Excellent, excellent traits. Love it. I need a guy who can cover. 
That's what I need first and foremost. I mean, I need, you're not going to find them, but Deion Sanders never tackled a, a, a person, you know, because he just, he didn't want to get his nose dirty. He didn't want to get his uniform. You didn't see dirty. him cover? I thought he was really good at covering. Not, not that he wasn't good, but like you said, he excels at the physical nature of football, which blends in well with a Kyle Shanahan team. So I can totally see them going with that type of thing. But if you're, if they don't go corner with that second round pick and they go it right here in this 90 range, again, I understand you're at 90 for a reason, but you just took, you know, Lenore, you just took Ambry Thomas you're going to take another guy. It just, it wouldn't be my favorite pick. Let's put it that way. It wouldn't be my favorite pick. Cause I think here is where you can look for a guard or a center because they're just not going outside of um, what's his name. The, the center from Iowa, who's probably going late first round. Tyler Lind- Lind- Lindenbaum. Yes. Um, guards and ta- guards and centers are going to be going in this mid two to three range. And this is where you start going, okay, if Banks isn't who we want, this is where we got to start looking and identify. And if, if, if Cole Strange was there, put it on. That's, that's who I am. <laughs> because unlike my cornerbacks, I want my offensive linemen to have that mean, nasty, love run blocking type of mentality. And he's all a motor. And motor. motor. <laughs> and motor. Yeah. So, um, but the kick returning thing, the kick and punt returning thing is intriguing because for so long, ever since the Dante Pettis experiment exploded, they have been in dire need of a comp, not even a game breaker, just a competent return man who can at least instill fear a little bit in the opposition. Well, that's exactly it, right? So he's got the kick and punt returning facet. And I know they've been talking about maybe shifting Emmanuel Mosley into slot, but I'm like, dude, he's good on the outside, right? But if we can get a guy like Marcus Jones, play the slot or whatever. I mean, just, I just feel like we can never have too many good corners. I know you said, oh, we just took two. And I, I hear you, I understand, but I don't want to see us signing Drake or Patrick again and see, watch him getting trucked. Okay. I'll tell you what, this guy's five, eight. This guy would not have gotten trucked. He would have brought that guy down. Um, the Niners have another pick in the third round, number one Oh five, which is the last pick in that round as it's a compensatory pick. Who you got your eye on? I think they could go wide receiver. Uh, maybe Khalil Shakir of Boise state. It, but um, who I know a lot of people have talked about um, of late, but I have my eye on the kid out of Baylor, which I'm sure might give people pause because yes, Jalen Hurd also came out of Baylor, but this guy is different. This guy, I do not believe, I believe he has a clean bill of health. Dude hasn't been hurt. Yep. Dude can fly. Yep. Ran super fast. Mm-hmm. And his name, Taekwon Thornton. Yep. And so, like you said, they're not, you know, we need to add receivers and this guy's tall. He can fly. He's fast. He has really good body control, great hands. 
they would be an intriguing pick at 105. Uh, I like like both of those. What about, I know you had mentioned him uh, kind of off the podcast, and that was uh, Wayne Dale Robinson. Are you under the impression that he's still going to be available beyond the 105 or – I think he could be available at that point, but as much as I like him, I mean, what's his specialty being like Debo, right? He's a receiver. He's a runner. And that guy is, I believe the same size as Marcus Jones. So the size issue made me, made me a little apprehensive, Mm -hmm. which is why I went the Taekwon Thornton route instead of the smaller slot, like Tyquan Thornton, I think can play the outside. Yes. Agreed. Right. Whereas I feel like even a guy like Khalil Shakir is more of a slot guy. Um, I mean, he could play outside, but I think he'd be more slot. One uh, Robinson, definitely a slot, but I got my eye on another guy who could play the slot later in the draft, which is why I went Tyquan Thornton. But yo, I mean, look, one Robinson super intriguing because he's fast, right? He's fast. He's uh, one of these, what do they call him? Like, you know, uh, you know, speedy jitterbug kind of, you know, receiver. So definitely intriguing. He's, he's the kind of receiver that I think all the Niner fans wanted last year when the three guys who, you know, who was it? Like the Tutu Atwells. Yeah, Tutu Atwells, the, the small guys who everyone's like, oh, that's who we need. We need one of those slot receivers. We can, we can do it. Um, so they didn't do it last year. So I don't know if they'll do it this year because they didn't, or they're just, they're not looking for that type of receiver. So, but regardless, the Niners, if they do go wide receiver and I would be, you know, okay with them doing that, um, that takes care. That takes us up to the end of the fourth. So what are your, what are your thoughts getting into the second half of the draft on day three now? All right, so I'm going to combine the next two picks, which is their fourth and fifth rounder, because there are two guys I have my eye on, and I just don't know which will go first. I think they'll go around this ballpark. I think, I hope, um, they'll still be available. Um, so I'm just going to, you know, name them. Uh, uh, I'm hoping, for the, for the first guy I'm hoping to grab is Luke Fortner, the center out of Kentucky. So this is where I'm going to grab my center and for the other pick, it would be another wide receiver, and that would be Kyle Phillips of UCLA. Now, Fortner, you know, has the size, the agility to play the zone scheme, I think. You know, he, he appeared to be a good teammate from what I could see at the Senior Bowl and from his college tape. And, and the dude is really smart. I know Lynch was playing off like, yeah, no, like the center doesn't need to really do anything, but whatever. I don't believe it. And this guy is super smart. I mean, not only did he finish his undergrad studies early, but he already got his master's in mechanical engineering and a master's in business during the time that he was at Kentucky. So I thought that's pretty impressive. And he's a really good player on top of that. Um, And then as far as Kyle Phillips goes, that dude reminds me of Hunter Renfro, (laughs) right? So we were just talking about the slot receiver, and that's why, you know, I think he could be that slot receiver that Kyle hoped Trent Taylor was going to be for them when they took uh, Taylor years ago. So I think Fortner, 
and Phillips will be the two guys that I hope they can grab with his fourth and fifth round picks. Um, I wouldn't mind those. I would imagine uh, Fortner is going to be gone by then. Um, by the fourth? By the fourth. He, I mean, again, all of, all of the draft sites, scouting sites, you know, are different, but I've seen some of them have him as the second or third center, you know, wow. right there with Cam Jurgen. So if that's the thought process of some of the scouting community, that's got to be the thought process of a, a couple people in the NFL. So if those decision makers are seeing the second or third ranked center on the board, again, you're talking smart guy, team captain, uh, you know, can lead an offensive line. If, if he is there, you better take him with your fourth and not hope he slides to the fifth because um, whereas Kyle Phillips, I, I think you could, you could substitute someone else for Kyle Phillips in the fifth should you bypass him late in the fourth and, and get there. But it, it's, it's a close it's – it's close for Fortner, let's put it that way. Yeah, he just hasn't gotten a lot of hype, I don't feel. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been talking a lot, obviously, about Linderbaum. People have talked a lot about Cam Jurgens. I just haven't heard the Fortner name being thrown in there. Um, a lot. So I was hoping to sneak them in. Uh, Maybe, maybe Um, it's the type of thing uh, here. Here's, here's a great example of what people always talk about in the draft. You can get them in the fifth. You can get them in the fifth. Well, guess what? If Jerry Sue was a GM, you're not going to get them in the fifth, you know, type of thing. So it's all, it's usually always talked about in terms of first and second rounders, because that's what most people will pay attention to. So if you like a guy, you got to take that. It doesn't matter what Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's big board say like, oh, Kuyper had this guy as number 182 and you took him in the 120. You way overdrafted. You reach. It's like, that's just not true because you just don't know. And if you like a guy, you got to take him. So takes us to kind of the – the big round, that being the, the sixth round, because the Niners have three picks. So pick your poison with these three. All right. So, yes, three picks. So my first will be offensive tackle for Darian Lowe from Illinois. Uh, my second will be Chig Aquanko, or Quanquo, tight end out of Maryland. Uh, the dude's not big. I believe he's 6'2", uh, but he's fast. And he's a baller. Reminds me of Delaney Walker. So would love to be able to get Chig Aquanquo in the sixth round. And then rounding out the sixth round with the third pick will be my Jeff Kurpinski special. The punter out of Penn State, Jordan Stout. Um, love it. Love it. Because actually you took one of the questions I, I was going to ask you, and that and that was will they take a kicker or punter? And not because it's, you know, just a a funny question to discuss, but Robbie Gold's going to be 40 years old this this year. I I don't know how much longer he can continue doing what he's doing. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski is a free agent after next year. So is this the opportunity with nine picks this draft 
to grab someone with one of those three sixth rounders, whether it's a kicker or a punter. And I know Jeff is right now banging his head against the wall, screaming that you cannot take a kicker. But if you take a guy, isn't this your opportunity to essentially stash him on the practice squad, let him learn from Robbie Gold, no pressure on Gold, but Robbie's also missed about what? seven or eight games the last couple of years because of groin issues or hamstring. So again, if you have a guy on the practice squad that you drafted that you can see, I mean, no one's going to, is anyone really going to steal a kicker off a practice squad for the, you know, the actual active roster? I mean, I can't see it happening, but this is your opportunity to do that. Plus Jeff, listen, it gets Mitch Wisnowski possibly off your books. And I know how much you hate, paying a punter so you get a rookie punter possibly so one of the questions i was going to ask you was do you think there's a possibility to take a kicker or punter and clearly you do as you've taken one that's why it was my jeff kerpinski special because it was a pick that he probably wouldn't sign off on just because you know he probably feels it's a travesty to invest any picks in a punter or kicker but at the same time like you said mitch wishnowski may not be long on the Niners. So yes. <laughs> um, let me, uh, you, you took a, who is the, who is the tight end you just took? Chick Aquanquo out of Maryland. Um, so let me ask you this because the two names that have popped out to me for this late round possible tight end. Um, one is Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M because last year, in 2020, the guy looked like a, a second round tight end. He was mm. unbelievable. And then this past year, kind of got a case of the dropsies. He dropped, you know, eight or nine passes of his whatever 75 targets. So he was a guy who clearly had some ability, um, who I think would be a great compliment to Kittle and a guy who. You know, again, playing in the rough SEC is going to be battle tested. So I would think that would be kind of a guy I'd keep my eye on for a tight end. But how about Derek Deese Jr., tight end from San Jose State? Yes, the name is familiar because Pops played offensive line for the 49ers back in the day. But here's a guy who's more, he's definitely more receiver than blocker. But he's a guy who's going to be available in the seventh round or possibly as an undrafted free agent. So if you don't go the route of drafting a guy in the sixth, why not keep a hometown guy? You know, why not sign him, the local kid from San Jose State, you know, to the possibility of of playing for old man Deese's team? I could see that. And I did have uh, Jalen, is that Weidermeyer or Weidermeyer? I think it's Weidermeyer. Weidermeyer. Yeah. So I did have him on my radar around this time as well, um, as well as uh, James Mitchell, tight end out of uh, Virginia Tech, who I think tore his ACL early last year, but has the size, the speed, the hands, you know, and is big. So I don't think he's not going to be a mauling, blocking type of, you know, tight end, but can hold his own probably just like uh, Weidermeyer. So, um, but Aquanco, despite his lack of size or height, I think he's, just he's rough and tumble enough. That's the thing. I, I think now that we've really gotten to know the Niners, their identity, the kind of players they like, 
I look for guys who are tough, where who who love who appear to love the game, um, and are fast, right? Athletic, fast, and I believe he was, if not the fastest tight end in terms of the forty time, but one of. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's and especially getting him in the sixth round, it's like, dude, there we go, Delaney Walker, bring it on. <laughs> uh- let me rewind because there's a guy um, who I was thinking, oh, it wouldn't shock me that the Niners take this player. We're talking about their first pick, number 61. Uh, but all the all the hype seems to be that this guy's going to go well before 61, so it won't even be a discussion point. And that's David Ojabo, the defensive end from Michigan who tore his Achilles at Michigan's Pro Day. I really liked him. I liked him playing opposite Aiden Hutchinson. All year, I liked what I saw from him individually, um, and it's it's just too bad that he got injured during the pro day. And the only reason I think about this, and I don't want to bring up the bad memories of Trent Balky drafting injured guys. Um, I just gotta say, what are you, Trent Balky? Right. Uh, but this is the kind of player that I don't know if 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 the Debo situation wasn't as crazy it was, and the Niners were just kind of cruising along that I could see them taking a chance on uh, because it's the whole, we have 10 or 11 defensive linemen right now. They're not all going to be here the following year, but if this guy doesn't have to play and we're talking about a speed rusher, we're talking about a guy who was very productive in college, maybe we take this. But because of the seemingly higher need of, Offensive linemen, possible wide receiver, the, everything. Center, safety. It's probably probably not practical at this point, but that was a guy that I was thinking, boy, it's right in the 49ers' nature to take a guy and not play him. But at least they'd have a reason why they're not <laughs> playing this guy. And, it, and the, the fans could not get on. This guy can't even get on the field. It, well, it's because he's hurt. So, you know, it's not Aaron Banks. It's not Jalen Moore. I don't think it's their nature to do that, which is why it was everybody was up in arms about the rookies not playing last year when we're like, really? Couldn't be better. Couldn't beat out, you know, our, our, our DBs, our corners couldn't beat out Drake Kirkpatrick, Josh Norman. Come on. But, uh, but no, I do like Ojabo. Um, it is too bad that he got hurt. I think he blew out his Achilles, which is why yeah. that's concerning, right? That's where you get that burst. And that was his bread and butter, right? He's, Nick Benito-esque in terms of what makes him him, which is his speed um, and his get-off. And part of me, too, is like, well, it's always hard to evaluate a player when the guy who is your counterpart could go number one in the draft, right? Aiden Hutchinson. So it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, was he could he have been this good on, you know, playing on a, with a, for a different school, you know? Um, but again, like I said, I like him, but the fact that, you know, kind of like what you said, the fact that he's hurt and the fact that we have a lot of other needs and the fact that drafting a guy who's hurt in the second round just gives me flashbacks of Trent Balky, that'll be a pass for me. All right, a couple of things for you. Niners have nine picks slated. They are no stranger to moving around, moving up and down. Over under, the Niners end the weekend with nine new players. I'll say under, I'll say under just because I could see them 
shifting around, moving around all the time. And well, I mean, at, though they have a lot of holes, but really how many of them are going to make the team, you know? So, and as you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan does seem to prefer veteran players, even though, you know, they haven't signed. Well, they have signed a lot of like, um, you know, depth guys. So because they've done that, you know, I don't know if you're going to need a lot of these late round flyers as depth guys. So, yes. So that's why, yes, I I could see, I'm going to go under because I could see them making moves, whether it's trading up or just trading out or whatnot. Um, like I said, I was going to say kicker punter. You already took one. So yes, you believe the Niners can take a kicker punter. How about, we always hear about guys, guys, coaches, scouts, general managers will pound the table for usually in the mid to late rounds. Usually these guys are the unheralded stars of, of their team, maybe smaller school guys. Who are you pounding the table for? Who who are you staking your your scouting reputation that this guy, this guy's gonna be good. This guy is going to be a player in the NFL. You know what? I haven't thought about that. Um, but obviously, the guys who I feel like I've mentioned just in their slots have a good good chance. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. You know, I don't I don't look at them as just flyers. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I know you didn't seem to have a really high opinion of Kyle Phillips. Um, But I don't know when I watch him, I'm like, this guy is Hunter Renfro. This guy is Wes Welker. This guy, you know, this guy is maybe not quite your Julian Edelman who goes from special teams to then slot to then becoming like a superstar or not superstar, but a star. Um, But, you know, he's going to you know, be better than Cole Beasley, I think, but you know, just of that ilk. So he'll have for sure. Like you're going to, you're not going to take this guy early. You're not going to have to invest a a high round pick on this guy, but this guy is going to have a long career barring injury, of course, just because I just feel like the way he runs his routes is so good. He's so competitive and feisty. I mean, he's just, you know, you, you talked about character, right. And so, yeah. So I just feel like this, this is a guy who will have, a fairly good and long career in the NFL. Over under one quarterback taken in the first round. More than one quarterback in the first round. You think uh, Pickett and Willis? Yes. Who is going to be the best quarterback in five years? out of this class. EJ Perry from Brown. No, I don't know. (laughs) I am. I think that's the thing about this draft is so that's making it somewhat intriguing, right? Because usually I think I just mentioned at the top of our draft discussion is that the sexy position is the quarterback. That's what dominates the headlines. That's what makes the first round. So crazy people wanting, trying to jockey for position to grab one. Even if you're Caden McCown, no, McNown, Caden McNown, even if you're JP Lossman. <laughs> but this year they don't even have, I mean, yes, I guess, you know, there is intrigue because Malik Willis has a lot of athleticism, a lot of tools, but just so raw. And then you got a guy, uh, 
you know, Kenny Pickett with tiny hands mm-hmm. um, and really only came on. And granted, it, it could be a Joe Burrow, right? Just everything clicked during his last season and he's ready to take off, but I don't really see it for him. So it's kind of like, well, has he reached it? Like, has he maxed out? Like is what we saw the best and how is he going to be in the pros? Cause I don't know. I mean, I don't, that's the thing. It's like a guy like Malik Willis, I don't, I don't foresee starting or he shouldn't start his rookie year. And I see Kenny Pickett as just, I don't know. I see him as a career backup. I don't really see him as, you know, and I say I'm so underwhelmed by the quarterbacks in this year's class that, yeah, I just, for you to say, oh, which one's going to be the best? Gosh, I mean, throw them all in a bag. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got here? Um, well, we haven't talked about Mr. Irrelevant. They have the final pick, Niners do, of, of the, you know, of the draft, the very last one. Who is who are the Niners taken with Mr. Irrelevant or aka the first undrafted free agent? <laughs> well, just because I think this guy is pr- probably going to be in that undrafted free agent pile, I feel like he'll be available and we could use another safety perhaps. Wanye Thomas out of Georgia. I liked what I saw of him in the Shrine game, flew around, physical, could be a good strong safety. Um you know, so it could pair up with, let's say, the Niners take Nick Cross, um, you know, in that first, the, the second round pick, our first pick, right? So I think in the future, when Jimmy Ward moves on, um, you know, assuming Wanye Thomas is a player, they can put him at strong safety and they put Nick Cross, um, you know, at free um, or even like a Cam Taylor Britt at free. Um, but another guy who I was thinking of, most likely will not be available for the Niners to take with the last pick of the draft. But given his profile, eh, there might be a chance is Bayless Jones, the wide receiver kick returner out of Tennessee. Now, why do I think there's a chance that he might slide all the way to the end of the draft? Because the dude will be 25 years old on opening day, the first game of the season of the 2022 NFL season. So it makes, I imagine there are a lot of teams that just question like, how is a kid who's spent his whole time in college football not produce until he's 24 years old, a 24 year old senior, right? He started at USC, then transferred to Tennessee. And, you know, he is. So, that's why I think he probably won't be available. But again, if the 25-year-old, if the age thing scares teams away, I could see. And if the Niners have, you know, want to fill that kick return role, I know they, they got Ray Ray McLeod, but again, you know, let's not have Debo if he's still around or Brandon Ayuk returning kicks. Let's get somebody else back there. And then the, uh, the last guy, another guy who probably won't be around by, you know, number 262 is Damone Clark, linebacker out of LSU. Because he was a good player during his career at LSU. But, you know, and I don't know, do you, he wore number 18. They issued him number 18. And I don't know if you know the significance of that, Todd. Do you? No. So 18 is issued to the kind of the hearts and soul player of the LSU team. 
super hard worker, the guy who represents what LSU stands for, right? Because it, it started with Matt Mock. I don't know if you remember Matt Mock, the quarterback. Yep. Yep. Back, oh my gosh, probably 20 years ago by now. Um, dude got hurt, but then came back, won a national championship for LSU. I think they're first. So number 18 is a big deal. And since then, it's been issued to guys like Jacob Hester. I'm sure you, I don't know if everybody remembers Jacob Hester, but I'm sure you probably remember Jacob Hester, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think uh, Tredavious White, right? I mean, those are two notable names who ended up going to the NFL. So it's not necessarily like always an NFL caliber guy. This is a guy who's super hardworking and just embodies all that's right with the LSU program. But with regards to Damone Clark, he's good. He's, you know, all around, on and off the field. But it turns out that he has to get like spinal fusion. So not exactly words that you want to hear out about any football player. And so I just feel as though maybe because of that, it'll scare away most teams from investing a pick. And you talk about a guy who for sure will not be playing this year, but they can stash away um, on injured reserve or whatnot and see if, you know, basically it's a lottery ticket, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know that while yes, our linebacking room is solid, with Warner, with Aziz Al-Shair, who just, I think, signed his one-year um, tender. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, Dre Greenlaw. But it'll come a time when probably those guys will be gone because our major cap, the majority of our cap for linebackers is sunk into Warner. So let's see if, uh, you know, if Damone Clark is available, you know cash in that lottery ticket and see how it goes. Absolutely. With that said, that wraps up kind of the seven round um, and covers most of my kind of draft over-unders that I wanted to pose to you. We've had a little bit of time to talk about and think about it. Debo still getting traded in your mind? Yes. How confident do you feel about that? 80%. 80%. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. Um, with that, let's, let's move on. Final thought, Jerry, the night before the NFL draft. Well, so, you know, the heart that hard knocks is going to be featuring the Detroit lions this season for their, you know, for their training camp series. And with the Lions being featured, I think, or I hope that they've already, that HBO has already started covering the team throughout this whole draft process because, you know, when they're on that number two pick and if they're able to get their coveted hometown kid, Aiden Hutchinson, I want to see Dan Campbell just going absolutely bonkers (laughs) when he's going to be able to get his kneecap biting defensive end local kid, you know, um, <clears throat> cause you know, we've talked about how hard knocks needs a little bit more juice, a little bit more spice. At least I have. Right. So hopefully they've started filming and they're going to cover how the lions approach the draft. I think the emotional roller coaster that is Dan Campbell will certainly make for good television during the draft. And 
From what I understand, the whole undrafted free agent signing process, signing period is also just super crazy, super frenzied. So I'd kind of love to get a peek, you know, behind the curtains to see what that looks like. Um, so yeah, so I think it'd be great to have all the, all this featured on hard knocks as well. What do you think? Uh, I would, I would love it. Like I said, I'm a fan of hard knocks. Uh, I was a fan of the fact that they picked the Detroit lions because of Dan Campbell. So often they've relied on kind of the undrafted free agent, the try hard guy throughout camp that you're kind of rooting to make the team. But I think you can, fo- you get to focus on Dan Campbell, who you know is going to be there and you get to hear and see some of the outrageousness that that he might bring to. And if they were able to get the Aiden Hutchinson storyline right away, if they were able to talk, you know, undrafted free agents, like again, that's the next step in the evolution of this process is taking you behind the curtain even further uh, to see what, because as much as HBO and hard knocks want to try and cater to kind of everybody, it's the hardcore football fan that would probably be the most interested to find out about what's beyond the curtain. So I'm all for it. If they could spice it up like that, I am absolutely all for it. With that, I would like to take my final thoughts and pose a question to you. I know it's, this is coming out of left field. So Uh-oh. in the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era, who have been the worst draft picks? <laughs> uh, the worst. Gosh, I mean, there have been so many bad ones. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of great ones. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, just right off the top, I mean, we're going Reuben Foster, Solomon Thomas, right? Uh-huh. Because they were – his, their first picks, they were first rounders. Um, Lynch pound the table for both of them. So yeah, I would just I think because of their you know their the position on where they got acquired, how they got acquired. I, I would say that they are probably the worst. Okay, well, I I, this comes off of a Matt Barrows article that came out in the last couple of days, of the five worst draft picks. In uh, the cop- and so you have nailed two of them. But were they the top two? Like, if we're playing Family Feud, Ruben says, Ruben was number. Two? Ruben was number one. Yes. Solomon was number four. Ooh, interesting. I don't know how you could be number four when you miss on the – well, A, could have had this – I mean, they traded down, right? Second pick of the draft, they traded down. And B, I mean, that could have been – well, not sure they want Deshaun Watson right now, but just from a talent standpoint, could have been Deshaun Watson, right? Could have been, I mean, had they done their due diligence, I'm not saying they didn't, but didn't seem like they did. Could have been uh, Patrick well, Mahomes. So well, I, don't, I don't know I, how, how Solomon think, Thomas could have landed at four. Well, I think Matt Barrows is giving credit to the fact that, although probably not worthy of the pick, Solomon Thomas is still a functioning rotational piece in the NFL. These two guys at two and three, not in the NFL. Oh, oh, you're saying the guys that 
that were second and third on his list, yes. not in the NFL. Yes. Uh, and well, five uh, might as well be hanging on by a string. So, well, let's see. So it's five Dante Pettis because I thought Dante Pettis would have been higher, yes. but five is not yes. hanging hang on by a string. The number I five, I would number I five answer is Dante Pettis. Okay. But I would have thought that Weatherspoon would have been on the list, but Weatherspoon's still in the league, right? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Who was second and third? They're not in the league anymore. Uh, I mean, and are they, oh, I know who they are, but I mean, Joe Williams, yep. is he on the list? Yep. Number three. I mean, that definite bomb, but he was a fourth round pick. I would say, you know who else? I would say CJ Beathard. I know he's in the league and he's not on the list, but I would say, again, earlier in this, uh, in this podcast, you're like, who would you pound the table for? A guy that you're going to trade up and you pound the table for and just completely, I mean, I don't know if they envision him ever being a starter, but he's not even that great of a backup. And the fact that you traded up for a guy who's not even a great backup, that's just, come on, come on now. I know you don't like CJ Beathard, but he's in the league. Jalen Hurd, not in the league. Jalen Hurd. Yeah, but see, I'm not, ah, yeah, see, I I would not put Jalen Hurd on this at all. Wow. Jalen Hurd, I mean, he's look, it's I don't know, is it his fault that he's physically incapable of staying healthy? I I mean, you know, I mean it's almost yeah, I don't know, but maybe this is more like what well, was the Niners' fault that they took an injury-prone guy, didn't do enough research or digging into the fact that he's, you know, Mr. Glass, maybe, but yeah, I wouldn't put him up. No. I would put Weatherspoon on the list ahead of that guy. Yeah, but much like Debo, you're taking this personal. Witherspoon, <laughs> with, Witherspoon <laughs> you may not, you don't like the guy, which is fine. But oh, he, because this guy's capable. He's an NFL but he player. Not. Witherspoon is an NFL player. He he is. He's playing in the NFL. If I told you who's the better player, a player in the NFL or a guy selling insurance. Okay, but let me ask you this. Is Jalen Hurd not an NFL player because he's a chump? No, because he can't stay healthy, can't get healthy. Yeah. As far as we know, maybe he is a chump. That's why he can't stay healthy. We don't know. But Weatherspoon's got, dude, we saw what he could be. He could be a good player. Yeah. But he's not because he's a chump. Dante Pettis, chump. When you're high on that chump level, that you get on my list as far as the bigger bus, more like Ruben Foster, chump. What did Akella Witherspoon do to you? Clearly, you have anger towards a guy. Chump, just what? But what did he do? Like better. I can tell you what Ruben Foster did. I can tell no, you what Dante was, did. Wasn't Witherspoon a second round pick or was he a third round pick? Either third way, round, third round pick. Right. So third round picks, you got to be good. Got to be good. I don't want to go down that path with you anymore because <laughs> we've done that and it's just well. Like, let me ask you this. The list that is that Barrows's list. Yes. Do you agree hundred percent? Like every single player on it in the order in which it was laid out, that would be your list of five, right? Five, you said. Uh, no, that would not be. Who else? Not- Who would make that list that wasn't on the list and that you would take off that list? Um, that I would take 
off the list? Or you to replace with somebody that you feel was more deserving, like Akella Witherspoon. <laughs> I mean, I don't see. Here's the thing: there, there really isn't anybody else because Joe Williams, fourth rounder. I mean, you can't poo-poo. Oh, he was a fourth rounder. If you think third rounders should be good players, so you're talking about a guy who quit football. So well, no, that, you poo-poo it a, because Kyle Pounder, like he, he was Kyle's must-have. Right. Well, that's my point. That's why that is a. That's a, we're just talking terrible pick, terrible pick. And I mean, and it could be for whatever reason, it's just a terrible, like if you, if you said, Hey, you could, which, which picks that you've taken, do you want to do over? Like not, not, Oh, we can take, like, you can either have this guy or mystery guy behind the door. <laughs> like if it's a Keller Witherspoon, I don't know if you're taking mystery guy, you might get, you know, old Betsy the cow or so like type of thing. But if it's Joe Williams, you're going to take mystery door because Joe <laughs> Williams could not even make it out of training camp. Jalen Hurd never played a snap. Dante Pettis was a complete like mental case. Like those three guys for sure. I would take mystery door over them because they produced zero. Solomon Thomas is on the list because he got taken number three. That was a bad miss. We talked earlier, like if you're drafting in that section, you need a guy who's going to be, you're hoping for a hall of fame player. Not going to, it's always going to happen, but you're hoping for that. Now it's a drastic miss, but all of a sudden Thomas is going to end up with a 10 year career rotational guy for five different teams in the NFL. So very bad pick because of the placement of the draft. And Reuben Foster, bad pick because the red flags were there. You got kicked out of the combine. You had issues at Alabama. And yet you still took this guy thinking your culture, even though it was first year, was going to be enough to get this guy set. And for a time, he looked like the next coming of, you know, Patrick Willis or Navarro. So, for a brief shining moment, he looked the part. Now he reverted back to knuckleheadness. So that's why I think those guys are bad picks for different reasons. But in in all honesty, you I mean, you look back at, at that first draft, all the guys made the team except Joe Williams and I think even Tita Teamoa Pina, I think, didn't he make the team for like a couple games or something? I mean, he's your seventh rounder, but the point he was, is, he was definitely a you know training camp guy, preseason guy, right? Yeah. You remember the name, but I don't know if he ever made it out. But I mean, well, seventh rounder, he did. He made, he played eleventh eleven games in the NFL. But that's the point. It's like here's a guy who you can't really call him a can't call him a terrible pick because well, he was at the very end of the draft and. He didn't, he didn't pan out to be anything more than what seventh rounder is. So that that's that's what the same. That's why that's why I defend your CJ Beathard and even your Trent Taylor. You know, Trent Taylor, like I would think that was a bad pick for the Niners. Turns out that I guess when healthy with the Bengals this past year, he can be a serviceable NFL player. 
Well, I'm telling you, they're going to get Kyle Phillips. They're going to want their 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 version of uh, Trent Taylor back. So, anyways, so that that was the first half of my final thought, and, and uh, the the second half is just. I always I, I love the NFL draft and have for so so long. The first draft that I actually remember getting up early to go get the newspaper the day after the first round because I didn't have cable. So I did not watch. There was no sports radio. There was no, you know, NFL network going play by play, pick by pick. Dexter Carter from Florida state. Uh, yes, first Dexter round Carter. Was the first pick that I remember actively watching in college thinking, wouldn't it be great if this guy made the 40 got, on the 49ers. Really? You thought that? Absolutely. <laughs> Only to find out, oh my goodness, this five, guy is five not tall. <laughs> so um, so the, the the coming of the NFL draft always reminds me of it almost almost reminds me of the guys that I was I was super excited about just because of the name or the position, whether it be Todd Shell or Keith DeLong or Dexter Carter, Mike Rumpf, you know, JJ Stokes. There was always the excitement coming out of the draft that sometimes let you down and sometimes picked you up. So it's the opening. The draft is almost the opening day of baseball. Everyone talks about the opening day of baseball as everyone's got a shot at at the World Series. It's a long summer. Anything can happen, which isn't always the case. But that's the feeling people get going into the opening day of baseball. I think that's the feeling NFL fans get except for New York Jets fans, when it comes to the NFL draft, is these players are going to join our team and make us better. Let's all come together and sing Kumbaya and make a play for that Super Bowl. So Jets fans should want to trade their picks for Debo. I mean, dude, you'd think that they'd have PTSD from all the nightmarish, particularly first-round draft picks. <laughs> We didn't we didn't talk about it that much, but we didn't talk about it from the opposite point of view, that being the Jets and the Jets fans. But if I'm the Jets, or if I'm the Jets fans, yeah, I'm I'm making I'm I'm trading a one or two and a next year's three for Debo. I want that guy on my team. I want him handling the ball every possible way for the Jets. Yeah, but you know the irony of that, or the strange thing about that is. They Jets current fans of the Jets have this inflated perception of Joe Douglas as this master fleecer because I think he was the one who dealt Jamal Adams for the two first round picks. Mm-hmm. So they feel like, oh, this guy, he's gonna take the take the other team's lunch money and laugh, right? So I don't know if Jets fans necessarily think that they should give up all that, you know. Um, particularly kind of like how we were talking about Tyreek Hill initially, or the last, you know, on the last podcast, like, well, they offered only their second round picks for Tyreek. Why would Debo be worth more? Blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if Jets fans would be on board with unloading all their picks, which they should be given, you know, their historical track record, Jeff Logaman, Kyle Brady. Sorry, Jets fans that I hit a nerve. Ken O'Brien. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. With, with that said, the, the, 
the months have turned into the days. The days have turned into hours until the NFL draft were, I don't know, 16 hours away or so uh, as we finish up this podcast. So it's time to get excited, which means there's basically 16 hours of Debo watch to see what happens. I would imagine tomorrow is going to be a very active day in the rumor mill and for the Adam Schefters of the world trying to track down the latest and greatest of all of these possible trades and offers and what's real and what's imagined. So Niner fans, be glued to your radios, your TVs, your internets, your iPhones, whatever it is that you're going to use to track everything because it should be an exciting day. Uh, we will be back with you uh, shortly after the draft, uh, depending on what happens. <laughs> if, if craziness breaks out and Debo gets traded and the Niners end with a top 10 pick, maybe we'll uh, break in. Uh, well, maybe we'll do an emergency podcast tomorrow. If not, we'll be back next week to wrap up the draft, talk about the hits, the misses, what we would have done, if any of our picks that we've discussed on this podcast panned out, or if we were way off on guys who we thought would slide to the seventh and got taken in the fifth. So we will see about that. So thanks for listening to Three Side Sports. Enjoy the draft, everyone. We'll be back next week to recap it. For Jerry, I'm Todd. Good night.